Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the first of a new season of Pubs, Pints, People. My name's Claire Phillips. I'm joined by Matt Bundy and Ant Fiorillo. Hi, both of you, and a virtual cheers for the start of a new season. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Yes, it starts to be a virtual cheers, doesn't it? Yeah, it's still um, just. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know what would be happening when we come to record the new series, but blame me now, and it's March, isn't it? March 2021. Wow. Feels like this, uh, the last kind of year and a half, just all kind of uh, rolls into one, doesn't it? And I think things aren't looking too different to March 2020. Um, and when we first started uh, speaking to people as well, you know, we're still in lockdown, pubs are still closed. Um, I actually got a Bill Murray T-shirt from my brother for Christmas. And uh, I do feel like we're a little bit in Groundhog Day at the moment. <laughs> so it's pretty appropriate. He got me a good, a good gift there. Yeah, I mean, at time of recording, things look like they might be tentatively shifting in the right direction for us all. And fingers crossed that is going to be the case uh, not too soon. I, I really can't believe we've even made to season three guys who'd have thought when we started this as a little project last year that we'd be here today i know what you mean despite public demand we're back <laughs> and yeah, it's uh, it's uh, no, it's been lovely to see people's comments especially when we it was teased on twitter that we were coming back and people saying lovely things so thank you so much for that you know we do it for the community you know it's made by the community for you um, and it's lovely to hear from you and i'll tell you what if you've only just discovered us though then good news you have the opportunity to binge listen to the full first two series as well as this. You lucky people. You. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and if you're still here once you've done that binge listen, then make sure you, subs- <laughs> you subscribe either via your favourite pod channel or follow us on Twitter, of course, at Pubs Pints People. So you don't miss a thing. We'll have some great interviews and plenty of banter as well. For this season, we've got a new feature where we'll be sharing our favourite pubs from the coveted Good Beer Guide 2021. And hopefully, as we're now counting down to the end of lockdown and the return of some kind of normality, we can feature some of these pubs we're looking forward to getting back to. Oh, hey, hey, Claire. I, I, I see this as a wonderful game of bingo, actually. Yes, we've all got the good beer guide uh, in hand and we'll be sharing all of those with you throughout the season. Uh, and, and do you know, one thing that is different from March 2020 is the fact that in 2021, this year, is the year of camera celebrating its 50th anniversary. It's something we'll be speaking a lot about at the end of season two. So as you can imagine, we're not going to pass up the chance to celebrate this golden anniversary, even if we can't do it in the pub just yet. So Claire, what are some of the plans? Well, seeing as you've asked, Dant, uh, to mark the 50 years, camera's planning to recognise the 50 pubs, clubs, brewers, cider producers, individuals, branches and campaigning groups who've helped further Camera's aims over the past half a century. And our members are the ones who get to decide the winners. Now, the nominations close on Camera's birthday, which is the 16th of March, and I must double-check that I've put my nomination in too because I've had somebody in mind. Better make sure I've done it. But if you'd like to suggest someone, make sure you visit camera.org.uk slash 50 years slash golden awards. Golden Awards, eh? I mean, it sounds a bit like the Golden Globes, but with less Ricky Gervais and more beer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah that's, that's Sounds like an improvement on both, <laughs> uh, on both counts there. That sounds great. Now, you can also find out about some of the other exciting initiatives that are taking place throughout the year, this special year, uh, on the 50th anniversary landing page, which includes the Good Beer Box events, 50 great campaigns to recognise, and new merchandise. I love a bit of merch. And that's available to purchase to support 50 years of camera. 
Now, there's also the new 50th book from the fabulous Laura Hadland, who I had the pleasure of interviewing in the programme last year. So if you want to go back and have a listen to that one, uh, she actually appeared in Season 1, Episode 10. Uh, and we'll even stick a link to that in the show notes this week. 50 Years of Camera is the book, and it comes out on the 16th of March, and you can pre-order now and even get your hands on a very special limited edition version if you're super quick. Wow. Well, I reckon that camera must be one of the most successful consumer campaigns in British history. I feel lucky that I don't actually know what it was like to walk into a pub and see that you're stuck with cake bitter, cake mild and cake lager as your only options. Yeah, and it didn't matter what they poured you, as it all tasted the same anyway. I suppose, actually, it's a little bit like when you go into a you know, a hotel bar today, maybe you're doing a business trip or whatever, and you go down, you think, I'll have something refreshing, and then you lament at the fact that a, a, a couple of lagers, a Guinness, and maybe, if you're really lucky, a token bitter to choose from. But, uh, of course, thanks to the success of public support for the camera movement, we're really lucky today that, despite that, 70% of pubs do serve real ale nowadays. I'll drink to that. And I am very grateful to camera for giving me the choice that I love. I tell you what, we are standing on the shoulders of giants from the camera movement uh, across all those 50 years who made this possible. Thank you, guys. Um, And I tell you what, if we want that kind of choice to be around in another 50 years, then our real ale brewers have got to find ways to get their products to consumer. Mm-hmm. That's the only way they're going to survive, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So that's why this week we're going to be looking at how pubs have been innovative in the face of COVID-19. That's if COVID even has a face, I suppose. It's a scary thought, isn't it? I mean, I guess I, thinking sure, about it now... Surely COVID wears a mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Think so. <laughs> I've always imagined it'll look a bit like my mother-in-law. But, you know, but oh, dear. The, uh, it's, it's all right. Is your mother-in-law an avid listener of the show, yeah. Matt? She is. She won't be from now on. Yeah, big Real Ale fan. Hello, Valerie. Um, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Now, we're going to be speaking with a brewer and a publican who faced the challenges of lockdown and have come up with some amazingly innovative ways to survive and keep their businesses ready for the recovery. And both of these interviews did take place before Christmas, so there obviously wasn't a lockdown in place when they were recorded. So if there are any references that might have since been overtaken by the current events, then um, unfortunately we apologise for that. But we'll hand over to our roving correspondent, Harry Davies, who's been speaking to Ian Smith from Fine Ales, which is a family-owned brewery about 40 miles northwest of Glasgow. And Ian's been telling us about their take-home cask ale scheme. Did this start with the pandemic or was this going on before and kind of what's the process with it? We've been doing mini casks since uh, well before I joined the company. So for, for for years and years and years. So it's it's cask beer. It's packaged the exact same way as our full size casks. Um, you know, most of them are going out with firings and with live yeast in them. And when the lockdown uh, came, the first lockdown, obviously everything shifted towards an e-commerce slant. And for us, it was all about trying to find new ways to kind of engage with our community and engage with drinkers and those people who would go and find our beers in the pub. We were looking to try and get our beers to them wherever they were now. And for most people, that was at home. So mini cask sales immediately went through the roof. It was kind of crazy how, how quickly that kind of took off as a format for us. And I think we had the benefit of doing them for, for years and years already, whereas a lot of breweries kind of had to very quickly make plans to, to buy them in and find suppliers and do labels and stuff. But we were all set up ready to go. And then one of the very first ideas that I think we had in the brewery was like, we, we want to do a Yarl subscription. Yarl is our flagship beer. It, it makes up about kind of 45, 50% of, of our production. And then seeing the mini cast take off, it was a case of, you know, let's do a, a cask subscription. And then kind of from there, we just kind of developed the idea. And it took us a little while to get kind of to the point for the subscription club to be ready to launch. So we didn't launch until June, which is slightly later than I think we all wanted it to be. But that allowed us to kind of get the tech set up in the back end to get new boxes in so that we have boxes to send two mini casts to each person out. It was part of an effort just to try and, and find new ways of reaching beer drinkers and, and people who wanted to drink our beers. I do think certain beers work better in mini cask and mini keg than others. We mostly stick to session beers with the mini cask club because you want to drink them within three days of, of first kind of opening and tapping. We did put out some some seven percent stouts for, in mini cask for Christmas, but I was just like, for me, the idea of trying to to drink five liters of seven percent stout in three days, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm up to it. To be honest. I, for one, had never really thought about buying a cask from my local brewery or ordering one because, you know, you have it at the pub all the time. But then suddenly when the taste is gone and you want to support your local brewery, I find myself Googling, does the local brewery do these casks and have seen kind of the scramble to do it? It's absolutely what it is. I myself was kind of one of those people who was just like, oh, I could really go for a really good pint of cask. A lot of people felt the same way, which is, is where Mini Cask Club came from in the end. 
We did have uh, public customers come and buy four and a half gallon pins from us, and then a couple of people actually bought full nine gallon casks because they had you know home bar setups and stuff. So the desire was out there for cask beer, and if they couldn't get it in the pub, then people were going to find ways of getting it. And, and yeah, it was for us to kind of step up and, and give them a way of getting it as, as easily and, and as reasonably priced as possible. I don't want to say cheaply because our beer is not cheap, but you know we wanted to give people a good deal with it. I'm looking here as well. You also have like a discovery where it's not just your. You mentioned the the yarl. There's also like a wildcard ale. It was originally planned to be an all yarl subscription, and then it was like, well, no, there's still desire out there for people to try new things. And I think if you look at other beer subscriptions that are available, you know, craft beer subscriptions, cans and bottles, a lot of the excitement comes from trying something new every month. In a normal year, we'd be producing 50 plus new beers, and, and you know, we, we're good at that. We've got a really creative brewery team who can put together recipes really well, and our one-off beers tend to do really well for us. And we were like, well, we've got we've got the skills here, we've got the kit here, we've got the knowledge, so let's give people the option. And we honestly, we weren't expecting it to be a big part of of the mini cast club we were expecting to have far more people who wanted 10 liters of yarl every month than people who wanted five liters of yarl and five liters of something they'd never tried but discovery members are now over i think 80 85 percent of, of our mini cast club members it's 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 crazy that people were just like keen to, to try something new and, and i think that's there's a perk to it as well because our mini cast club members get to try these beers before they go on public sale um so they get them at least a week before any, any public sale and sometimes completely exclusively so in, in january we've got two new beers for discovery members rather than one and they won't go on public sale afterwards or at least that's the plan right now how many are you pumping out uh, we're up to a few hundred minicast club members, so they each get two minicasts a month. So it's between two fifty and three hundred. So, and it, it kind of fluctuates a little bit. We had a really big push in November. We did some advertising with camera, and we got quite a lot of new members. And December has been a bit slower, I think, because a lot of people are, are stocking up, and they know that they're not going to get their beer until until early January. So it's it's ebbs and flows, and, and people dip in and out as well. So we've been going for six months now, and we've had people who come in, and you know they'll do it for three months, but they'll have to end their subscription. But you know those three months for us, it's still hugely valuable so as long as each month we're kind of more people are signing up than are leaving the club then we're happy you know that, that's where we want to get to is just keep getting the beer out to people and um yeah and keep keep the club growing because 250 300 people it's not a huge number but it is a substantial number for us it's making a difference for our business and uh yeah we're so grateful for the support and the trust that people have put into us to to automatically you know send them beer every month in exchange for 40 quid how do you see cascale's survival um i i think I think cask ale will survive. I, I, I don't have any concerns that, you know, that, that COVID-19 is, is signaling the end of, of that as a, as a beer format. Um, I do think it's going to have a little bit of a, a struggle as, as we kind of come out of this. But then I think back to the summer, when back in the summer where things were, you know, allowed to open up a little bit again, we, we weren't expecting many of our pub customers to, to take full-size casks. So, you know, we thought, you know, they'll play it safe. They'll just stick to the keg beers. Um, but the demand was, was crazy. We had so many of our customers and we're so thankful to them that immediately as soon as they were allowed to open again they wanted Yarl on the bar or they wanted one of our other year-round beers on the bar and it took us all by surprise to be honest at how quickly they were kind of keen to get back up and get back pouring cask beer and I, I hope that'll be the case again as we kind of head into 2021 when we get to the point where things can relax a little bit you know the desire to to drink the beer is still there we know that you know mini cask club and all the other breweries who are doing brilliant mini casks is, is, is showing that and I think the desire for for publicans to to sell that beer is still there which we saw in the summer so i think the biggest threat is is kind of how many of the pubs who do cask ale and do it well will be able to survive in the new year and, and i'm hopeful that that many of them will because you know we're, we're doing everything we can to support our customers and and i know that a lot of other breweries are as well so this is far from the end of, of cask ale um i i do think it will survive i just think it's going to be like everything else a bit challenging for a little while i've heard some people talk about kind of a pub explosion people are thinking well we're going to have to be ready to to brew up for that occasion it, it's such an unknown um i do think that there will be some people who are desperate to get back out and do things and find things and, and you know have exciting experiences again and whether that's coming to to see us at our brewery tap room or you know just getting down the pub because they've missed it so much i do think there will be a group of people who are very keen to get out and and start living again what is so fantastic about what you're doing is i had a lot of people say to me you know i do like real ale but it kind of mostly for me is the pub and then now that they are buying in uh, bottle conditioned and, and mini casts and mini kegs at home i think a lot of people are kind of finding a newfound appreciation even when the pubs reopen i do think that we'll, we'll keep the mini cast club going hopefully we'll still see the kind of e-commerce the, the online orders that we've had and the support we've had on our online shop we hopefully we'll still see that going because again there will be people who are 
wanting to be a bit more cautious. So, you know, it's, it, it's good to have that option there. If you want real ale at the pub, you know, the pubs will hopefully be back to some level of safe service again. And if, if, you, if you're not quite ready to do that or it's not something you're comfortable with, then there are still going to be options to, to, you know, sign up to our minicars club or just order minicars from other breweries and things. So where can people buy your beer and who else would you recommend for, from the area? Our online shop is, has been going strong this year and, and we're so grateful for the support. So if, if you want to join uh, the Minicast Club or check out what we've got available, you can go to finals.com forward slash shop and you, we've got minicasts, mini kegs, cans, bottles, all sorts of stuff up there. So yeah, check it out. And um, the Minicast Club is finals.com forward slash minicast club. If you go to our blog, there'll be a preview of the next Discovery beer. So the, the brand new beer that goes to Minicast Club members before anyone else, we, we profile that beer on our blog every month to let members know what's coming. So whenever you're hearing this go on the blog and you can check out what the next month minicast club discovery beer will be in terms of, of good beer from scotland there's there's plenty to choose from you know loch lomond who are doing uh you know they, they do very very good cask beer and their silky stout's excellent and they're just down the road from us uh you, you look at breweries like overtone who are making for me some of the, the best kind of hazy ipas craft ipas in the country and Fierce Beer up in Aberdeen, who started redoing Cask again just before all this kicked off, um, but they're, they're good friends of ours. And then you've got some more of the kind of more traditional Cask breweries, people like Inveral and things like that, who, who are doing great beer as well. And Stuart's, I should give a shout out to Stuart's because we're good friends with them. So they're over in Edinburgh and, and they, they do a huge range of things from outstanding Cask beer all the way through to, yeah, again, sours and IPAs and things. So yeah, plenty, plenty of good beer in Scotland and worth a bit of exploration to see who's up here and, and, and what they're doing. The fact that you can still support your favorite breweries from home, I think, is is a blessing. Absolutely. Now I'm seeing you know, getting pictures sent to me every day on WhatsApp of, look, I'm drinking Stay Puffed or something from Tiny Rebel, uh, and people are, are stocking up with great beers, and, it, and it, it's a good thing to see. I hope that people have enjoyed the opportunity to explore beer in a different way this year. To an extent, it's it's, it's not going to replicate the pub and you know, you're not going to have that going in and be like, oh, what's on the guest taps today? But the way that the brewing industry has responded in terms of the e-commerce offerings and, and local bottle shops as well, you've got to give it to them in terms of, of their ability to adapt and survive and showcase a range of breweries. And I, I think a lot of people as well are probably drinking more local than they were before because that support local message has been so strong this year. So it's not the same. It will never be the same as the pub. But I do hope that people out there have taken the opportunity opportunity to try lots of new things this year and, and enjoy beer in a different way and find enjoyment in it not just you know uh, picking up the same thing every week in the supermarket but you know seeing what, what breweries are in a, in a five mile radius of me what, what breweries are available from my local bottle shop same as you i've got friends who put the same four pack of cans in their trolley every week from a supermarket who have ordered from us from the first time who have said oh have you tried this brewery there is a conversation happening there and and hopefully there is positives to take out of this year because there's a lot of negatives <laughs> and that's lovely to hear about what they're doing to keep the beer flowing in the highlands and it's great that they all seem really supportive of each other yeah, I think you've really got to take your hat off to this determination of survival and it's great to hear them all giving a shout out and, and a nod to all of the other Scottish brewers. I think it's a lesson that all small businesses need to stick together. I mean, it's worth checking out the Mini Cast Club. You know, maybe it could bring a bit of excitement into lockdown life. I've had that with the Brew to You app. You know, when I get my order coming through, yeah. you know, it, it's like Christmas. It is. You know, it's marvellous. It's coming through. It kind of gives you a little a, a bit of entertainment, and it's open it up. You get a smuggers board of ales to try things that you that you sometimes maybe wouldn't have even get the chance to go if it's all from around the country. And it's all about getting away from the supermarket aisles and supporting the brewers direct. Now, have you guys tried Fine's Yarl beer? Because I don't know if you noticed, guys, uh, flicking through my uh, big book of facts, uh, that they're actually one of the first UK breweries to use Citra hops. Oh. Ah, I, I didn't know that. I haven't tried it, but I do know that um, Oakham in Peterborough area, they have a beer called Citra, or they, they used to. Oh, it's yeah. still there today, Claire. It absolutely is. That's my interesting fact about Citra. It's an interesting one. I remember fondly uh, the summer virtual Great British Beer Festival last year and all those that are listening that were there will know that we did a series of interviews over that weekend and I was interviewing for the hops event. Uh, we spoke a lot about the Citra hop and how that kind of came into into its its place in, in brewing. 
I, I seem to remember a lot of the conversation was about how we had quite oldy worldy uh, hop varieties, and then when Citra was successfully grown here, everybody wanted to use it. And you can see why. Citra is a wonderful hop. It's very refreshing. It's got that nice lip smacking uh, in the chops at the end of the pint. So, yeah. But I didn't know they were the first to use it. Um, so, yeah, that is an interesting fact, Mr. Bundy. Maybe I'll have, as a regular feature now, I'll have to have uh, one of my facts I can pull out like that. Very good. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting to hear in the interview um, what I was saying about a possible surge in demand. It's interesting because I do wonder what's going to happen the day we're allowed to go back to the pub. I can never work out on all of the dates that have been given what it what it's going to be, and you never know what's going to happen. But or, I, or I if guess... it's outside or inside, that's well, absolutely. I, I just don't know if my landlord is going to be able to actually pour any beer because I think everyone's just going to go and give him a big love and not let him go. You know what I mean? Yeah, a big old hug. Yeah, yeah. if we're allowed at that point, who knows? Oh, but, who knows? I mean, I'll be hugging so the, the pint pot. <laughs> That would be it, yeah, hugging, <laughs> hugging the cast. That would be it. At, at the moment, I'm not sure whether I'm looking forward more to the, the pub reopening or the hairdresser reopening. It's, <laughs> it's a close... Obvious, obviously, it's the pub, obviously. <laughs> I'll be going down with my long flowing locks. It'll be, it'll be brilliant it'll down look the like Cameron in the 70s all over again, won't it? They were all with their <laughs> long hair on. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, what do you think about that day, that wonderful day that comes? You know, on the, on the one hand, you've got to think it'll be the big biggest party you'll ever see but on the other hand maybe it'd be make more sense to spread things out a bit you know don't make it this 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 massive day where we're all going to a suddenly emerge and go down the pub together and everybody tries to cram into their local on the same night well that's yeah i mean you know obviously some won't be able to open if they haven't got outdoor space initially but there's also the supply chain issues because we saw with previous lockdowns that the government didn't necessarily take into account the fact that pubs and restaurants had ordered lots of food and drink that would have to be used um and then if they weren't allowed to reopen couldn't be used so i think real ale brewers are going to have to be told about the pub reopening and I think you know they've said they'll review it a week before each announcement but to be honest they need to have their beer ready to be served and and that's not long enough so they they need the confidence it's actually going to happen and that the investment won't just be pulled away. Yeah and you know what judging by the government's track record so far I can't say I'm a whole bunch optimistic about it but let's wait and see I've got everything crossed that I'll be reunited with my favourite table in my favourite pub with my favourite drink. So it's a good thing, of course, to take part in initiatives like the Cascale Club and that they're springing up and, and they really do give us beer drinkers the chance to support those local brewers directly. Yeah, and, and we've certainly been ordering beer from local brewers directly, a, a couple in, in our area, Colchester Brewery and Harridgetown Brewery, and uh, they've been delivering and it's been great. But there is a point, as you say, when we really have to hope that we're going to get back to the pub. Um, obviously, the vaccination seems to be going well at the moment, so it might not be too much longer. We've, we have got some dates possibly in the diary, and we thought it would be great to get our imaginations in gear with a section that we're calling on the podcast, We're Only Here for the Beer. Now, that's a bit tongue-in-cheek, because <laughs> in the early 70s, those words might even have been a deciding factor in the birth of camera, actually, because it was the advertising slogan for a beer called Double Diamond. But we're not going to talk about Double Diamond. We're going to delve into the Good Beer Guide and talk about the pubs that we're looking forward to visiting when we're finally allowed to do it. And, uh, well, I I guess I'll start with my edition of the Good Beer Beer Guide 2021, which I've got here. I've been through it with my marker pen. (laughs) and. Like a bucket um, list for boozers, isn't it? You know? It is, yeah. I'm going to start off in, in Essex, um, but uh, I, I know that uh, as well as the bucket list, you've, you've, got, uh, you've got more thoughts as well, haven't you? And not, not just beer, of course, Matt. No, obviously. I mean, the cider, perry, other tipples are available in this virtual flight of imagination that we're taking to go to, <laughs> to these beers. But I think as, a, as the marketing man you know, of the team, Bucket list for Buse has got a lovely alliteration to it, very key in the line. So I think we'll go with that. Very you know, but it's all about pubs and old favourites, good memories, ones we've ones we've been to and can't wait to go to again. Maybe totally. ones we hope to visit. Um, bucket list is a good one. So go on, Claire. Then kick us off. Then where? What, what have you got for us this week? Okay, so we're only here for the beer, and I'm looking at a place called Topsfield in North Essex. It's a pub called The Green Man, 
Um, and what's interesting about this pub, it's a community-owned pub, but it's got a brewery next door to it, which is also community-owned. In fact, I think it, it was either the first, might still be the only community-owned brewery in the country, and the shop in the village is community-owned as well. So there's a lot going on there. I, I love this pub. It's got a lovely garden looking out over the countryside. Um, they do, obviously, their own beers from the from the brewery next door, but uh, a, a really good selection of changing beers lovely food it's just a really friendly village pub one my running club um usually ho- hosts some runs from there so um you know they, they cater for runners in muddy shoes dog walkers uh, some different villages popping in for a, a drink it's it's a lovely community pub i can't wait to get back to it well that sounds wonderful claire matt what about you well, when, I think when you've got a guide like this, you, you think it's got to go, first of all, to your hometown, hasn't it? You can't help but flick through to Just find to it. Just to see which ones are in there, definitely. Just got <laughs> to see which ones made it great. And, and for, for me, it's Alveston in Cumbria um, is where my parents uh, live now. And uh, I, I, there's a few that I was surprised weren't in there, to be honest. You know, a lot of worthy candidates in the town, really good town for beer. But one that is, is the Mill which, as the name suggests, the wonderful thing about it is that it has a proper miller's wheel that goes through the middle of the pub, which I always find makes it um, a bit special. Um, and there's a proper cask bar uh, on the bottom floor where you can get some wonderful brews from lots from Ulverston Brewery. You know, you can't get uh, lower beer miles, I would say, than that just round the corner the lake of brewery so that's the place i would most like to be at the at the moment with my parents just uh coming into the bar and we can share a pint that'd be lovely yeah that's that sounds really good and if i so, remember rightly matt one of your first beer choices when we started off this was laughing gravy at Ulverston, wasn't it one it of the was I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with my with my hometown beers i think it's fantastic but Wonderful. and what about you well like you i was like let me have a look at the hometown and see what's in the area but um in the excitement of the news over the past few days, we've actually booked ourselves a little jolly holiday, a little stay as they say. Um, <laughs> we're heading over to Great Yarmouth. Now, it's a part of the world I've never been to, so luckily for me, I've got the good beer guide, and I am clearly going to be spoilt for choice while I'm there. So actually, I thought, rather than pick out a pub, I'm going to do all of them, but... If you're a listener and you've been to that neck of the woods and you'd like to make a recommendation for me, then why not give us a shout on at Pubs Pints People on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to be up there in June. So, uh, yeah, give me a shout. Give me a recommendation. If you want, I'll even meet up and have a beer with you. How's about that? But, you know, one at a time and it's your round. <laughs> what what, what, what an offer! What an offer! <laughs> I mean, you've, you've also got Galston, which is just down the road from Yarmouth, and there's a couple of pubs in the in the guide from Galston as well. So I, I think there's probably a pub for every day of the week that you're there. Very good. Well, well, I'll sure, be there. Bring cash. Okay, bring, bring cash and the camera card, and I'll tell my wife that I'm there for a fortnight. She's only there for four nights. There we are. <laughs> so there we are. There's here for the beer. Uh, we're on here for the beer. And if you've got your own copy of the Good Beer Guide, then make sure you flick through it and maybe put some of your own recommendations on there. As Claire said, we'll choose them each week. And if you've not got a copy of the Good Beer Guide, then now's your chance to jump onto the camera website, get into the shop area of the site, and order one. So, with that, when the lockdown is finally lifted, we have to hope that our favourite independent pubs have survived and we can start to rebuild. Now, the key for them, of course, is maintaining cash flow because government grants and loans can only stretch so far. Now, our second interview is with the kind of landlord we'd all like to have in our local, somebody who cares passionately for the community and understands the role of the local pub in keeping things a-going. Here's our correspondent, Dean Barrett, speaking to Rob Scarhill of the Orange Tree Pub in Bordock. Oh, I know that place, lovely place, just north of Stevenage. Hi, Rob. Thanks for joining us on the Camera Podcast. I'm sorry I can't just pop down the road and see you like I would normally do, but this is second best and all our listeners will be glad to hear you. Hi, everybody. Let's just start off by who you are and how you got to run your pub in Bordock. Okay. My name is Rob Scarhill. Originally from Stafford in Staffordshire. In my sort of previous career, I started off uh, working on the internet uh, at Staffordshire University quite early doors, which somehow led to me being involved with Bass Brewers, who took me on uh, in an emerging technology department uh, in the early 90s. So beer and the internet is kind of what I've done for most of my life. I went from Bass Brewers to Diageo, and I did a lot of work for them, flying around the world, wearing a suit a lot, and then went to work for a financial services company. And then, you know, sort of about 10, 12 years ago, I kind of got a bit tired of the corporate life and decided that actually I want to run a pub. I've been involved in pubs since I was 14. I was a bass cellarman when I was 18. So um, I kind of decided that the 
the city life was no longer for me and um, started to try and buy a pub actually in Bulldog and somehow ended up uh, talking to Green King about maybe some kind of temporary tenancy so I could get some more experience of what the back end of running a pub was like because obviously I've been working, I've been a barman and cellarman and you know manager and all those kind of things for most of my life on and off. And they said, no, we haven't got a pub that uh, we can sell you, but there is this pub called the Orange Tree and uh, it's not doing particularly well. And if you want, you can just go and run it on a two-week basis. And if you don't like it, you know, leave and we'll not charge you any rent and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I came to the Orange Tree and I didn't really like it at all, to be honest. But after three or four days, I'd fallen in love with it, even though they'd condemned the boiler and they'd condemned all the heating and they condemned the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. And then I decided to give it a go, managed to do a deal with Green King about being uh, free of tie on quite a lot of ales. And here I am um, 10 years later. Indeed. And actually, as a local, albeit from the neighbouring Letchworth, I remember coming to the old Orange Tree with my kids and giving up on it. But that was before your time. And and now you're a local hero, literally, a community award from from camera. And uh, you you did a lot during uh, lockdown one for the community. And I know as we speak, you're preparing for coming out of lockdown two. But um, how did you come up with the, the things that you did first during lockdown? And then we'll talk about what you did after with the Orange Tree. OK, well, um, on the 20th of March, uh, I just got back from a holiday in Glencoe, actually, which is one of my favourite places in Britain. And obviously we'd found out on the way home that the pub would be closing. And uh, one of the things I'm quite proud about the Orange Tree is we've never closed. From the day I took over on the 1st of November 2010, even when we had the pub in various states of disarray, we've never closed. We've opened every single day, albeit sometimes restrictedly. And when we were operating normally, we never closed before 11 o'clock. Even if I would sit there with the Times crossword in the early days on a Sunday, with the last customer having left at about quarter to nine, you know, I'd still be there waiting for that half past 10 last orders. Because it's important to me that if you're on a pub, you stay open uh, or you stay up to your published hours at least, because it's rude if you don't. So um, when I woke up with a very bad hangover on the March the 21st, which is a Saturday, I decided, well, there must be a way that we can keep doing something because off-licenses can stay open. And a couple of very quick phone calls to my friends in the in the industry confirmed um, that actually, yes, off-license can remain open. You have an off-license. Uh, you can continue to sell your stuff. So, uh, so I said, right, okay. And I put something on Facebook. We opened for three hours on the Saturday. The irony is that there would have been a camera event on that Friday night, the AGM. And so I'd actually been asked to get a load of beer in from um, from a brewery quite far away. So we got this beer in specially. So I had a cellar full of beer that we got specially in for camera. And I thought, well, let's see if we can sell this stuff. And um, in those three hours, we, we, you know, it took a good three or four hundred quids worth of sales. It was very busy. And then uh, opened again on the Sunday, did the same thing for three hours. We sold quite a lot of beer. So I thought, mm, maybe there's something in this. But you didn't stop there, did you? Because as soon as I came in for beer, I was finding succulent asparagus. So how did that and, and other things end up in your shop? Yeah, yeah. On the uh, on the Sunday, whenever that was, the twenty second, uh, a chap came in and said, uh, "Have you got any vegetables?" And normally on a Sunday, we do fifty odd Sunday lunches. So I had a kitchen full of, you know, potatoes and, and broccoli and all this kind of stuff. And I said, "Well, you can have some of that if you like." And then someone else came in and said, "Have you got any potatoes?" I said, "Yes, you can have some of these." And I thought, well, you know what? I wonder if we can uh, sell this stuff. So I, when it came to Monday, I wrote up my suppliers and said, I want to sell some vegetables, fresh fruit, vegetables, and that kind of stuff in the shop. What do you think? And they went, uh, mate, we've just lost uh, 50% of our business overnight. You can have whatever you like. And so it went from there. And, you know, within a day, we'd set up a shop. And then you started doing fundraising quizzes. The amount of money that you raised was extraordinary. Would you like to tell the listeners about that? It became relatively clear with Green King uh, that I wouldn't be paying full rent. Um, there'll be some kind of rent discount. And and it also became fairly clear in the first few days that we wouldn't be paying any business rates and that also we'd get some kind of cash lump sum from the government. So I'm thinking that I was, you know, I'm in my pub and I'm, I've, I've got a place to live and I've, you know, I can sell beer, albeit to take away, but it's not costing me anything. And I didn't feel good about making money out of what we were doing. So I decided we must be able to do something with the proceeds from the shop instead of just me trousering it. So uh, we worked it out that what we would do is we'd sell everything uh, at cost plus tw- at 30% and that we would give 20% of that away. So keep 10% to pay the electricity bill and all that kind of stuff. And um, we give 20% away to local musicians who were struggling. 
And those musicians, obviously, be, you know, they keep pubs alive, some of these guys. Um, and uh, with the pubs closed, it was fairly obvious that they're going to have a fairly massive income stream stopped. Um, and they weren't going to get support from the uh, from the government. So uh, so that's what I decided to do. I decided to give the uh, all the profits away. And um, uh, and also we did a quiz every Tuesday. So I did that online. We did bingo on Saturday. We did that online. And we also had a little virtual folk club going where we would take uh, recordings from artists and we would do those online every uh, every of the week and we ended up um you know in those 15 weeks of lockdown one we raised uh, 22,000 pounds and, and the little thing you did to help us in camera in that was you sponsored a prize when we did the uh, hitchin uh, festival goes virtual Yes, that's right. And the chap came down. I was very delighted with his uh, with his gallon of uh, of beer. He got, uh, I think, he, from memory, he took Mansion Mild, which is amazing. Obviously, Plum Porter, which we sell all the time, which is a fabulous beer. And uh, Bruce's Hophead, I think, had a couple of those as well. So having become a, a greengrocery as well as a pub, um, when we came out a lot, you didn't call it a day. You got even more innovative with what you've constructed out the back of the pub. But when it became clear that there were going to be restrictions on, on like the, the rule of six, two meter distancing, and, and all that, it was it became clear that you know one of the negative things about having a pub that's got lots of small rooms is you only get so many people in it with those restrictions in place. I mean, in some of our rooms, we could literally only get three tables of uh, four. So we decided that outside was the way to go. So not and we got quite a big garden here, but also we decided to put a great big marquee on top of our um, petank piece, which gave us a twelve meter by nine meter marquee. And I don't tend to do things by halves. And so we decided if we were going to do that, we might as well build some little booths for people to sit in as well and some beach huts for them to sit in in the garden and build a bar outside too, a proper fully serviced bar with a, with a, you know, a full standalone cellar. Uh, and that meant that we could not only get sort of 90-odd people uh, in tables of six in a very safe environment inside, and we split our garden up um, so that we can get another 90 people safely outside as well. And we didn't open the inside of the pub until until the table service rule came in in September. And we put some music events on as well. And uh, honestly, we were flying. I mean, we were 20 to 30 to 40 percent up based on last year um, with what we were doing outside. So it was great to a point. Actually, that's amazing. So, so you OK, you went through adversity, you helped out the community, but then you came out of it up on the previous year. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And we shifted some ale as well in those days. And uh, before we were doing the normal lot, and we just had the five ales on. When we went to the marquee outside, we were able to take up to eight real ales and still shift them really well. So, uh, so I was quite pleased about that. We had some decent beer on. And uh, for your anniversary, your 10th anniversary, you put on a bit of a do, which I was lucky enough to attend. Yeah, I mean, we'd done a couple of these um, throughout the summer, really. We did Glaston Tree, which was a, a three-day sort of music festival, which we sold out completely, you know, 360 uh, seats in three sessions. It was phenomenal, phenomenal weekend. So, uh, yeah, we did for my 10th anniversary, which is obviously 1st of November this year. We had a little sort of folk festival, a music festival, and that sort of thing, all, all trying to be COVID safe and making sure that the distancing was there and obviously tables service at the time but yeah it was a really good uh, it was a really good weekend and, and particularly that day i obviously decided to buy everyone beer so i gave it all away <laughs> that day <laughs> well, <laughs> which i need to stop doing <laughs> looking forward we've had lockdown too and we've got past christmas what do you see for the summer summer for us will be about music and musicians because of the space that we've now got out there it's not just a big beer garden with plastic you know picnic tables there certainly seems to be a bit more interest in in some of the ales that particularly that we're selling i think doing a a a, a good sausage and ale festival in march and april it will be a cool thing to do and then something obviously later on and then looking forward to september october november a winter ales festival because i just love my porters and my stouts so uh, an opportunity to have a dozen of them on um in that uh, in that marquee would be amazing well, thank you, Rob. You've been a strong favourite of the Camera North Hearts branch for, for years, as you know. Thanks for coming on the podcast. We wish you all the best to come out of this stronger than you are now. Cheers, mate. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, keep the faith with your real ales. There is nothing like a proper pint of ale out of a hampum, even if it has to go into a plastic takeaway container. It is much better, in my opinion, than anything you'll get from a supermarket. Well, you can't keep a good publican down, can you? We certainly wish Rob every success with all those plans for this year. He's a real local hero. And fingers crossed that we get back to something approaching normality for pubs across the whole of the UK soon.
thereof. He's the whole package, isn't he? The dream, the dream landlord. What a guy. Yeah. And it, really in the way he was able to extend the idea to provide off-sales so he could sell veggies to the local community, you know, and creating the online folk recordings for that's fantastic. Isn't yeah. it? And, and actually raising money for charity during the first lockdown. I remember in a previous episode, we talked about all of the amazing charity work that pubs are involved with and seeing that continuing through lockdown like this. I know there's many other examples of pubs across the country who have done it. It just shows what can be done, you know, and, and I think I'm actually, I wish I was doing still my quote at the end of each episode because I'd take Rob's words. I love what he says. There's nothing like beer from the hand pump, so keep the faith. Love Absolutely. And, and I mean, pubs have been innovative. Our local pub, um, the Wheat Sheaf, when they weren't allowed to sell beer direct in the most recent lockdown and it had to be deliveries only, um, they got a delivery team together and they're delivering beer. It's it's just great the way pubs have responded to, to try and make things work as best they can um, during the lockdown. And, and obviously with, with the one we've just heard, despite Bulldog, as far as I'm aware, the last time I checked, not being on a tropical beach. He's, <laughs> Let he's me check. To... <laughs> Hang on. No, it's not. He's, he's managed to open an outside bar and increase year-on-year sales in the most difficult of years. So I'm sure a lot of publicans will be listening to that and having ideas for their own pubs because, as I was just saying, so many licensees have worked really hard. They've installed lots of outdoor heating and seating to make sure they are COVID safe and to welcome the customers back when they can. And and just recently, that investment's, of course, been lying around unused. So I really hope that things are going to change um, when they can open their gardens again, which is going to be the first thing happening, and that the weather will turn for them as well. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Let's hope for a lovely Easter and beyond. Right then, it's almost time for us to dive into the archive, but just before we do, there are a, a few changes on their way for what's brewing as it plans to go fully digital from May this year. So if you still get it in print, a little bit like me, I must confess, I do like to holding it in my hands. The April edition will be the very last one, so get yourself a frame and put it on the wall, uh, because <laughs> the new digital platform, which sounds very swish, doesn't it, um, can really customise the news that you get online in this, uh, and you can have it by an email newsletter or read it directly online and camera hasn't forgotten about the branches and their magazines yeah no i mean they've been suffering what with the beer festivals getting cancelled and pubs closed it's a tricky time isn't it and there's no way to get printed magazines or newsletters out to readers uh, because of that so camera's encouraging local writers to submit stories and features and they can be published along with what's brewing and if you don't like reading online and and Lots of people don't, so there will be an eight-page What's Brewing insert in Beer magazine, which will start in the autumn. But now we're looking into the archives, and this week we're going all the way back to 1978 and an appeal from a brewer called John Boothroyd. Yes, we certainly are turning back the clock for this first one of the season. And for those of you old enough to remember, 1978 also marks the year that the world's first baby was born through vitro fertilisation. The lady in question, Louise Brown, is now 42 years old. Little bit of trivia there, one for many new parents here on the show. <coughs> yeah, we should have said, of course, at the start, huge congratulations to you and, and of course, to Katie and Rebecca, who are behind the scenes on the show as well and now on leave looking after their new additions. Of course, Katie wasn't behind the scenes. She was very much in front of the scenes, but uh, both both looking after little ones now. Yeah, it was certainly interesting trying to read my latest edition of Beer Magazine with a toddler on one knee and a baby in arms on the other. But we managed it. I just had to turn it into a story time with Daddy, although my wife wasn't impressed with us talking about... Um, you know, the uh, the campaign for real ale to my three-year-old toddler. You've got to, got got to start, start young. young. Exactly, <laughs> Claire. At least somebody's with me. <laughs> I love it. You've got, you got babies on the brain. How many baby-based facts can you shoehorn in? According to the article, John Bruvro was creating his own. I'll tell you what, here's a baby joke for you. In vitro fermentation, uh, not fertilisation. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But... Road is like pint. <laughs> Dude, his own I, wonder if he, I wonder if his pint needed as many nappers as my baby did. <laughs> <laughs> right. no, I, I tell you what, so John was apparently the owner of Britain's smallest commercial brewery located in the basement of his Yorkshire house. It's fantastic, isn't Brilliant. it? And, and now the article says he's looking to expand his brewery because demand was really high. And apparently his extra strong traditional real ale was sold in bottles at his home brew shop in York. I imagine that is literally a home brew shop. <laughs> 
in his home and he was appealing to anyone with suitable premises that he could move into in York to help him to to grow his, his production. That's amazing. It really is. It's, it's, very, it's very Yorkshire as well and I hope those in Yorkshire listening don't mind me saying so. But, it's, you know, the, the brew was, of course, super popular and he's quoted as saying, demand has overstepped production. People come from all over the country and it's terribly embarrassing to tell them we've sold out. <laughs> what can you imagine? And- you trip all the way up to Yorkshire if it's all to turn around. <laughs> Well, according to the local history society, he and his wife Avril ran the shop in Bishopthorpe Road, very near the Swan and round the corner from the Ship Inn, two great pubs and good beer guide regulars. And the shop was appropriately called Best Sellers. Now that's sellers oh, yeah. as in basement. You're ahead of me there. And and it was open right up until the 1990s. Wow. Oh, so his shop was around the proper thing. I just had the idea of people knocking on his door and saying, can I come down to the basement with a, with a pint glass? <laughs> just getting it it's a proper operation amazing <laughs> that's it so uh, there is a funny bit though where the article ends by telling people he just does a little piece says, please, please call me before turning up at the house to avoid disappointment <laughs> yeah. that's uh, i or, didn't know whether that was suspicion from other people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people coming around i don't know whether they're asking for beer or just offering him their premises come around to my house make the beer in my in my basement please that'd be a good offer but now we don't know sadly whether john beaver had found the bigger premises he wanted or he managed to increase production by other means um i've I've tried to look him up i've been doing a bit of uh, online stalking but all i could find was a north yorkshire planning permission application in his name Uh, and nothing (laughs) anything conclusive didn't say for a brewery for a a, a six acre extension (laughs) 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 it did say change of use but uh, but he might be keeping it really broad on there um but so i tell you what though if anyone listening can fill any of the gaps in with this story if they know what happened please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Um, as you know, we're at, on Twitter at PubSpintsPeople. So yeah, drop us a line. Tell us what tell us what happened. And now it's time for last orders um, and recommendations for our listeners, uh, beers or indeed ciders that you've discovered recently. Uh, well, I, I can't say I've discovered anything recently. I was kind of... My, my beer of the the week, uh, this week, if you like, has really been driven by me sitting down and doing that story time with the beer magazine uh, because there was a it was a great article in there. I mean, they're all great articles, but the one that really stood out was, was the one about um, Bass and Bass Draft and how it was possibly the most successfully marketed beer uh, in, in England. And uh, when you know you start reading about something, I thought, well, I really fancy one of those now. So I ended up getting myself a rook of them, and uh, I've enjoyed those this week. I know that then it's nothing too um, innovative or sexy or different, but um, it's it's something that's been with us for a few years. And I know that listeners may remember the original recipes and probably argue that the, the stuff today isn't as good. But I certainly enjoyed it uh, at tea time with my dinners this week. Oh, that's interesting because I'm I'm sort of with a more traditional one as well. Well, it's I think it's been around since um, the or not the same recipe, but um, the 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 beer has been around I think since the 1800s and something. That's um, old ale. Um, Adnam's old is one of my favourites. It's a seasonal winter ale, and I've been enjoying that uh, during the well. It's a bit brighter now, but when it was really cold and wintry, um, again our local pub was delivering beers, and this was one of the ones they delivered. And you can't beat a drop of Adnam's Old on a winter January night. I think we'd done a 20-mile bike ride that day as well. And coming home to a, to a pint of Adnam's Old is just the ticket. That sounds lovely, that. Well, I tell you what, I've got, I've got a confession to me. So I did dry January. Oh, uh, this wow. And made it all the way uh, through. But just to reassure all the uh, brewers out there, I kept my end up. I kept ordering beer as if I was still drinking. Uh, January, so I kept on the old uh, the old beauty. So, so in fact, if anything, I I ordered more just through uh, through guilt. Um, so I've actually now, like in 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 kind of February and March, got a bit of a backlog, and some of them are actually quite Christmassy because I kind of ordered them in the kind of late December. So I've been enjoying uh, this week a Wiper and True is the uh, brewery, and it's a plum pudding porter. Oh, Which is not not the right season, really. You know, a little bit late for that, but um, it's been absolutely uh, delicious. And as I say, now the good thing is I've got a lovely backlog to work my way through, which made it all worthwhile. 
And as Matt said, uh, we've mentioned it throughout the episode, but Brew to You, the app, is still very much uh, on the go and still up there, available from your app stores. Do make sure, if you've not got it already, that you download Brew to You from the uh, from the uh, app store. It's where you can support local breweries in your area, and there are other breweries that deliver nationally as well. Let's support the effort right up until we get those pubs open again, and indeed beyond. Right, well, I think it's enough time to tell you about just one more thing, and that's the next episode. We'll be back on the 16th of March. That's Camera's actual 50th birthday uh, to learn all about London, which, of course, has a long history as a beer city. And we'll have the interviews with people from Truman's Brewery that's been around in the East End since 1666, and the small beer company over the river in Bermondsey, which is a bit more of a newcomer having been founded in 2017. And there are quite a few other differences too, which you'll find more about in the next episode of Pubs, Pints, People. So make sure you tune in then. For now, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Derges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia... Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.